Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading, football's heading east. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading, football's heading east. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading, football's heading east. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of number one English language podcast on Ukrainian football. I'm your host, Adam from Uprofot24, and I'm joined by my excellent co-host, the number one source of Ukrainian football in English, Mr. Zoria Londonsk, Andrew. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing today, mate? I'm doing well. Uh, Recovered from return from Bucharest a few days ago and getting ready for the historic round of 16 tie. That is going to be taking place in Glasgow next week. Ah, oh, certainly is. And of course, as well, I've got the English-speaking voice of Ukrainian football, Ray. How are you doing today, mate? I hope you've recovered since Monday. Uh, hello, Adam. Hello, guys. Pleasure to be here again. You know, I feel like an average fan of uh, European football should feel like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from this Wild West movie, as he said. Gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. What a twist of the tale for us. And, you know... We feel like we jumped into last wagon and we're feeling very lucky about it. So planning to discuss tonight. We're really lucky to be joined today by Irina Koziupa from Tribuna.com. Irina, how did you find the atmosphere around Bucharest in the run-up to the Austria game? The videos I saw online looked amazing. Hello, Adam. Hello, guys and ladies who are listening to us. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm like uh, Andrew, also recovering from my... <laughs> After returning from the Bucharest and what I saw, I really enjoyed the atmosphere in Bucharest. It was like, you know, like some big festival with the musicians, with a a lot of fans from different countries. And everything was exactly very nice, very good, maybe except except the game, uh, the result of the game. But the rest of it, I really enjoyed now, you, you mentioned the game there. I mean, what did you think of the performance on, on the match, Dave? You know, how, how did the game pan out from, from your perspective? Well, if to speak about the football, what our team show, it was like, you know, I, of, since we lost this goal from Austria until the end of the game, it was like hopelessness. Mm. I didn't see anything in a game of our team which could broke and made a some restart mm-hmm. i didn't see the passion the desire of a player uh, to change to change the scenario of this of this football game it was look like they were so tired as me after all day in the planes <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like they really need some rest <laughs> Well, I mean, they've definitely got a fair bit of rest now, haven't they? It's what, going to be eight days between between the two games. So, I mean, wow, they can't complain anymore about But it. they were interested in Dubai, you know. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Well, I mean, we're also today, we're really lucky, really privileged to be joined by Jonathan Faduga. Now, Jonathan is a football consultant who contributes regularly to the Nordic uh, footpod. Jonathan, how are you today? Welcome to Ukraine Plus Football. 
Hi guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to be invited and uh, happy to give you the inside information on your your, your rivals. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, as I say, it's great to have you here as well. I mean, Jonathan, for, for our listeners, how's the tournament been for Sweden so far? I mean, who have been the real standout performers as well? Where where have you guys been playing around Europe? Yeah, it's been a it's been a really interesting tournament in terms of Sweden. The nation's expectations has kind of grown in the past sort of five, six years. Going back to when Sweden won the, the under-21 European Championships, which was in 2015. And, you know, that generation of players who's sort of coming through now is emerging. There's a lot of the players who were in that team uh, who are now playing for the national team. Uh, players like Ludwig Augustinsson, for example, at left-back. So there's that kind of generation that's grown through the, t- the, the years and, you know, peppered with other players like Alexander Isak, who's been one of the stars of the tournament. Uh, everybody's talking about him at the moment. And yeah, just they've got a real good blend. You know, they, they, they've qualified from the group, obviously. They, they got through it pretty, pretty straightforward in a pretty straightforward way. They've had the lowest possession uh, of, I think, the second lowest possession of any team in the tournament. They've had the lowest number of attacks, I think, of any team in the tournament, pretty much, or one of the lowest anyway. Um, so they're not really a team that wants the ball much. Uh, very compact, very kind of solid defensively. That's the, that's the real focus. And yeah, they, you know, they've managed to get, get themselves through it. So. Um, yeah, it's been a, and then you know, I think the expectation was to try and get through, which they've done now, and now it's like, how far can can they go really? And so, you know, from this point, from this game, it's certainly one they feel that maybe they that you know the Swedes can win. What were the what were the emotions like during the Poland game? I have to say, I, I caught a bit of it. My my heart was racing as a a Ukrainian supporter watching it. What was it like for you guys? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, um, Sweden were already were already through, so you know, from that point of view, it was kind of like you could you could rest a little bit. It wasn't jeopardy of like maybe going out, you know, as as, as um, you know, Ukraine obviously faced that, that game where it was kind of it looked like touch and go at one point uh, in their final match, but um, it was a chance to sort of maybe get qualify as high as possible and, and maybe get a more favourable draw. So of course, it still still meant something. And yeah, it was back back and forth. It was end to end. It was the first game really where it was a, a proper kind of open match. Um, for Sweden so you know the games against uh, obviously Spain and, and Slovakia were a lot more cagey maybe a bit more cat and mouse obviously the Spain game was more about just trying to keep the possession football away so yeah it was a really really exciting game and obviously Sweden managed to win it towards the end so um, yeah they're in good spirits and, and I think quite a few of the players who people expected to do well have done well so there's a real feeling now and there's one or two players maybe we'll talk about later that um, you know people are starting to really rely on now so uh, yeah there's there's one or two, you know, strands of optimism for the for the uh, nation at this moment. Well, as, as you've mentioned them, then, so who are these key players? It's actually the one everybody's talking about. So, um, I mean, on the Nordic Football Podcast, um, I so I personally used to live in Sweden, and we created the Nordic Football Podcast, and uh, we have a partnership with Wisecout, where at the moment I'm actually writing a, an article about Isak. So, yeah, he's he's the main guy. He's he came through AIK when he was 16 years old. Uh, everybody's known about him in Sweden for many, many years. So, you know, he's been on the, in terms of Swedish minds, he's been, he's been on the radar for five years plus. But it's really now starting to make his, his name in, in, in European football, obviously. He had a big move to Borussia Dortmund. He's one of the biggest ever transfers in, in Swedish football history uh, when he was about, I think, 17-ish, uh, 17, 18. And he went, to Dort- he went to Dortmund for 7 million euros. Didn't really work out for him in Dortmund. He, he couldn't get in the team. He was only 18. He was still young. They loaned him out to Holland, uh, Willem Thuy, I think it is. And then that's where he kind of really started to establish himself. He was already in AIK's team. He was already a massive part of their side, even as a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but in this tournament, you know, he moved to, so basically he, he did well at Melbourne, moved back to, um, moved back to Dortmund. They sold him straight away to Real Sociedad. Been one of the top scorers in the league this year. He's been young player of the season in La Liga. Uh, he's 21 now and he's been the main man, really. He's got some great dribbling ability. He can play him behind the lines. Um, and in a team that's quite sort of, Sweden are very conservative the way they play football. They're quite very defensive, like I say, low possession, very compact. You know, they've got two banks of four and then, you know, an attacking midfielder in Forsberg and then Isak's the, the main striker. So he's the guy who has to hold the ball up. He's the guy who has to play and others when they break and counter. So he's the one to look out for. But there's one other name that you, you guys should keep an eye on uh, that would be important. And I think Ukraine fans may, may need to look out for him uh, as a player called Dejan Kulusevsky. Now, he, there was a big controversy in, in Sweden. Just before the tournament, um, there was reports that he had a little party and uh, he basically got COVID. He had a house party. There was pictures of it and video that leaked, went viral uh, and basically got in a lot of trouble. There was a big debate, should they kick him out of the tournament? He's at Juventus. But they decided not to kick him out, basically. He also had to hire Soleil. He had to you know, quarantine. But he managed to come back for the third group game. And against Poland in that last game, he, he changed the game. He came off the bench. He got two assists. Um, he's a really, really good player. He's, he came through the academy of Bromma Poikene in Sweden, which is a, an academy kind of club in Stockholm. Um, then he was sold, obviously, and he's moved on to Atalanta. No, I think it was Palmer, and then uh, it was on loan at Palmer, I think, then Atalanta, then Juventus. He's a really, really, really high-talented player. You know, he's a young player, I think 21-ish, still young, and he, he's gonna, he might well start in this game against Ukraine. And if he does, he's a danger man. He's a really good player, good dribbler, uh, very creative. So, yeah, keep an eye out for him. Well, that's, that's, that's great news. Thank you for that, Jonathan. <laughs> um, at least you can prepare now. You can prepare now. I've, I've given you at least know who he is. <laughs> yeah, there we are. Sheva, get, get the scouts on him. Get the scouts on him. <laughs> um, just before we, we move on, I've got to ask you, I mean, what's the perception amongst the Swedish press, amongst the people in Sweden, of the Ukrainian performances so far? Has there been much discussion about it? Um, I don't think there's been too much discussion. I mean, obviously it was on the cards because th there was a potential that they could play each other. I think, I think the fear was always they would get maybe, you know, on paper a, a tougher draw, you know, depending on where they finish. Because obviously the, the intention was to, to obviously qualify, but, you know, nobody knew where they would finish. And everybody, of course, expected Spain to, to win the group. So Sweden have won the group. So, you know, at the end of the day, they've, they've done better than expected. So, you know, the fear, the fear was that they would maybe finish second and that would maybe lead to um, someone like England, maybe potentially, or, or, you know, Czech Republic, someone like that. So the fact that they've qualified as first is, is obviously gives them a lot of confidence. They're very solid defensively. The feeling is that kind of they can take on Ukraine and beat them, really. And I think the feeling in Sweden in terms of Ukraine is, I don't, obviously, I don't want to upset too many people on, on, the, on the show or listening, but I think, I think there is that feeling that this is a game to win and kind of, no, nobody's going to, you know, Sweden are very conservative in terms of their, their opinions. They're not going to get carried away. They're not going to be singing It's Coming Home in Swedish, you know, all that kind of thing. But um, the, the feeling will be that this is a game they can win. And obviously the next game potentially could be England in the, in the quarterfinals. So I think there's some who are looking at that and thinking, you know, this is a game we should win. But I, I do think they need to be cautious. I think one thing, you know, that I noticed in the Ukraine-Austria game was that Ukraine seemed to, I mean, you guys will probably have a better opinion on this than me, but from watching the match, I felt like Ukraine maybe struggled a little bit against Austria with the, with the kind of quite a compact midfield Austria played. And then they had obviously uh, Alaba down the left kind of against Yarmolenko. And I think Sweden will play a similarly sort of compact, deep-lying block of, of four, two banks of four, like I said. And they won't look to have possession of the ball. They won't look to kind of like really attack them strongly. So I think the feeling is, can they keep the sort of dangerous Ukrainian players quiet? 
if they can do that defensively, keep a clean sheet, then they will feel that with players like Forsberg, Kulusevski and Isak, they've got enough firepower up front to, to cause danger. So there is a feeling, I would say, within Sweden that this is a game to win, really, and not, not an opportunity to be missed. But I don't think there's any complacency. They, they are aware that Ukraine has ability. Hey, very well said there. Very diplomatic, Jonathan. You're, you'll, be well, you'll be welcome back. <laughs> Ray, obviously, as Irina said there, she was, you know, watching the Austria game, felt like hopelessness was the, the word that Irina used there. And, you know, it felt like they were struggling with the passion. Um, for you, what, what, what are the fundamental problems now facing uh, Shevchenko's men going into the Sweden game, you know, what are the questions that we hope to see answers for in this this historic last 16 game in at Hamden? You know, it's funny that we mentioned compactness uh, today already, because uh, when I searched for uh, Shevchenko's interviews, just, you know, random search in Google during the week, uh, I found that the hashtag, so, so to speak, compactness is mentioned since 2016 in his interviews. So he is been telling us about this uh, compact game the national team needs to play that uh, when the guys played with within this compactness that means they did good and this is uh, the flip side of the coin now it turned right against uh, our team now and i would say that the main problem of uh, ukraine now is uh, shevchenko himself his stubbornness as uh, we we've seen that uh, He's probably doing business with the players in his lineup as he puts the same lineup every time. And it seems like he tries to sell uh, Mikolin Kozabarny and other guys who did not do well, uh, or even Malinovsky, who's playing in Syria already, as if he's trying to sell them further. Uh, It was obvious that he should put those hungry men on the bench like he's called them upon. Uh, the national flag to represent the country, like Bezos, Sudakov, uh, Dovbik, and you know, the list goes on. But he didn't, and he probably won't do it again. And it's funny that uh, we face in Sweden now, as they helped us proceed to the playoffs, they might as well thank us after the round of 16 for uh, being such an easy target for a quarterfinal. And uh, during the way Sweden was um, completing the uh, group stage, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they won it, right? They won the group stage. Yeah. First spot? Yeah, right. So that's because they're playing compact and that's because also because they dropped Ibrahimovic before the tournament. That's what Shevchenko never did. And that was, was that's something what, which was never done to Shevchenko during his time. That's why he finished playing for national team in 2012. But it was obvious he should have finished three years earlier at best. And now he couldn't drop Irmolenko. And with this coincidence, Yermolenko made all the difference throughout the group, his class, his experience, but obviously before the tournament, he wasn't that good. And that's the difference right there. Uh, Sweden played as a team, uh, great football shown, great matches, and they were showing this hashtag compactness, and they're facing us, who are coming to the level of this team of Sweden, who should have been on their spot during the tournament. And this is uh, as fate, as destiny as it can be. For me, this uh, luck of us on this tournament is kind of a payback for the England goal in Donetsk in 2012. You know, (laughs) that's a good reason for me. Good enough. Right. (laughs) So um, in uh, in the interview, the best player on the tournament so far, Shaparenko, said we should make mistakes confidently. And to sum up, uh, pull 
pull the grease scenario out of the bag, take on Portugal's script of 2016, practice penalties, as we've seen on the videos they're doing. It's a middle teams tournament, and it's surely the best Euro after 2004. Uh, Wednesday, not in particular. They were two, two great games, the two late games in Group F there. They really will go down in, in, in long-term memory as classic international tournament matches. But say, Irina, there, listening to Ray, of course, not the most optimistic uh, summary there, looking forward. Does, does that sort of sum up the mood in Ukraine at the moment, or is there some optimism? Is, is there more support in general towards the national team? What's the feeling, you know, amongst, amongst the public back home? Uh, if to speak general, the mood is more optimistic than in our <laughs> friend. <laughs> of course. <laughs> if to take, you know, the press, the uh, media, the journalists, they want to ask the questions for Shevchenko and to get the answers. Why the physical form is so low, why he didn't make changes and so on and so on, what uh, Ray said. But if to speak about the fans, uh, or like, you know, during the Euro, everybody becomes a fans and a coaches, <laughs> you know, like every, every, every lady, every person who uh, watch a food, started to watch football once for four years or for five years in that case. I think a lot of more optimistic and uh, as Jonathan say, I think many people think that this is a game we could win. This is the... Um, the team we could cross and to go to the other stage because you know it's not a germany it's not england italy or somebody from top uh, top national teams uh, anyway like you know people joke anyway the uh, will this game will win the team with blue and <laughs> yellow colors i think it really you know I've it really does seem like you know both teams are quite right to go into the game high 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 in confidence that it's 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 a game that could win i think irina you would say, agree with me here that in ukraine people were very happy that it was sweden that finished top of the group and not spain and even though spanish performances haven't been so good in the tournament there is that kind of would you say a mental block when it comes to taking on the Spanish team, whereas with the Swedish team, perhaps, you know, as, as spectators, we feel a bit more confident. We don't know what the boy, you know, the, the guys on the pitch are going to think, but uh, for us back home, maybe there is a bit more optimism. Now, Andrew, I don't, I don't want to dive deep into the Austria game. Let's look forward a little bit. You know, as Ray said, there are, there are, clearly problems on the pitch uh, what changes would you like to see in the team i think the the sort of stark problems that you can point out straight away going back to the austria game and what needs to change to improve ukraine's sort of general style is to get malinovsky off uh, left wing left midfield position which he is not accustomed to playing in those games where he played there against north macedonia against austria where he was subbed off at half time he was really ineffective and he was always coming inside, which meant that McCollenko was essentially playing left wing back just on his own. And, you know, we know the problems that McCollenko has had this tournament. And, you know, I think he needs a bit more support um, to help him out in those attacks and in defence when it comes to it. And as we've already mentioned, uh, the Swedes are going to have some 
good wide men. So we'll need to sort of double up on them, in my opinion. I think Malinowski needs to come into the middle and play on his favoured right centre central midfield position where he seems to ex- where he has excelled in the past for Ukraine, and then either move Zinchenko to his usual left centre mid position or move him to actual left wing back and doubling up with McColl and Cole, which I think potentially could work because um, Zinchenko played, you know, the last four, five minutes at left back for, I think, the first ever time for Ukraine at the end of that Austria game. Mm -hmm. And I think he looked better than he has done the entire tournament. And that was only five minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you could take all the uh, context of the situation that Austria weren't really attacking and stuff like that. But, you know, he looked quite good. I think potentially, you know, there's been talk of should McCollum could be swapped out or something like that. Okay, he's had a poor tournament so far, but I think if you stick with him and just stick someone who is an actual natural left wing or, you know, even left midfielder uh, up uh, alongside him, he'll improve drastically. So in my opinion, I actually think someone who would be quite good to play, there would be Sobol. It would they both be able to interchange essentially when going forward and also doubling up um, in defence. Just the fact that that's never really been something that Shevchenko's used before, I don't know whether he'd be brave enough to sort of risk going with that first time. Can I, can I ask you a question now, Andrew? Uh, you know, we are in the round of 16 where draws take us to penalty shootouts and Portugal famously, uh, you know... <laughs> with the draw masters in 2016. Is there an argument to go back to the, the France dynamic when we played them in Paris back in March and, and go to a back five? Maybe Matt Vienko playing the left centre-back, supporting Mikolenko out wide. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. What's, what's your opinion on that? I mean, re- realistically, they definitely could. But I think it might set out a negative precedent that Ukraine are going for the draw. And I mean, they sort of were playing in that way against Austria. You know, lack of intensity, lack of drive. And maybe that had something to do with like the fitness and the fact that when they were playing against Austria, that was day 36 since uh, when camp started the Euro camp and obviously Ukraine had two weeks extra preparation than any other side could be complete burnout. People say, Oh, they're professional footballers. They should be able to cope with it. No idea. But I mean, they've, as we've already mentioned, you mentioned eight days rest. Malinovsky and Yarbonko had, I think an extra day off before returning to training either on Thursday or Friday um, following that game. So they've been given a bit of a breather. And I mean, you know, looking at the state of Yarbonko was in that Austria game where he just looked dead on his feet. He did that thing with his hands where, you know, they were just like drooping and it just looked like he couldn't sprint another yard, really. I know he's got a bit of something special about him and can pull something out, but, you know, potentially it might be worth starting to hank off there for some extra energy. And we know that that's his favourite position. He there's Something just doesn't work for him on the left. He just can't get himself into the game. He loves cutting inside and, you know, he's something about playing him on the left just doesn't seem to fully work. And just being realistic here, I don't think Zinchenko is going to be dropped. Otherwise, he potentially could be the one that's going to drop out. But I think he'll probably ultimately be Shaparanko 
despite his positive performances. Um, and then we might see him later on. And one more thing, I think Stepanenko should be starting at centre centre defensive mid because mm-hmm. Sidod Chalk, you know, he can do it for Dynamo Kiev in the UPL, but there's just something about him that he just looks a, slightly a yard off the pace mm. when when you want to progress going forward. And even defensively, he's just there's not a hundred percent trust in him. There's uh, you know a phrase we use sort of positional discipline. And Sidorchuk just doesn't have it. He kind of gets caught up in the game. And Stepanenko just he he understands his role and his function within the team and carries it out to you know the high standards, even when he's not fully fit like he isn't at the moment. Now, Arena, you've been involved in some of the press conference conferences, haven't you, since uh, the Austria game? What's your take on the player reactions? You know, what do you how? What what do you think about how the team has reacted in those press conferences since the game last week? Honestly, I like how the team react for this game. When I uh, heard that uh, Malinowski and Zinchenko would come to for the press conference the next day after this game, I thought, mm, really, I should visit this press conference and media center and spend this time for being that, but not going outside the Bucharest <laughs> and see some places there. And it's really my compliments for the players that uh, at, the, at this moment, the national team didn't... Um, you the no the goalkeeper coach the doctor or somebody who uh, didn't play at the games but the people who we are uh, put like a leaders who are called the leaders of this uh, this team they just came out for the press and answered all the questions we were asked and it was like uh, not the style your expectation is your problem but Malinowski and uh, Ruslan and uh, Sasha they answered yes we like would screwed up we had a chance but we play bad and we will try to uh, to do our best in the next games so like it's really respectful for the players that they uh, didn't hide at this moment and just came out and explain at least they try to explain <laughs> what we, what they did the day before than the, the last night but also i would like to has more reaction from shachanko as the head coach because mm-hmm. the players all said like from their point of view but it would be great also to have some answers from the uh, our head coach the leader <laughs> the know, leader yeah. yeah time to step up yeah Quite rightly so. Now, I, Jonathan, I don't know if in Sweden this is very well known, but Andrew was telling us there's almost, would you say a curse, Andrew, over Ukrainian teams when you, they play in the UK? Or is it just more bad luck? I, I, I don't know what's the correct word to use, but can you just explain a little bit about this? I'm going to be optimistic and use the word bad fortune <laughs> well it's a bad record let's call it that uh yeah Zbirna have played in the UK a total of eight times and they have won once and that was in Northern Ireland back in 1996 so as you can tell that was a long time ago and that was also sort of a scrappy finish one nil win 
since then, they've played in England four times against England, drawn one, lost three. And I think actually, if you include a loss, a friendly loss to Brazil, which was played at Pride Park at the start of the 2010s, then that's like an extra an extra fixture. They've only played Scotland once. I think it was at Hamden back in the noughties and lost that one, 3-1. So not a great record in Scotland. But luckily, competitively, I think Ukraine have played Sweden only once. And that was in Euro 2012 when Shevchenko got that famous brace. And up until that Macedonia win, the only ever win for Ukraine at Euros. So a positive 100% record there. So yeah, if, if that can be broken, the record of losses, you know, as I always say, I've got a nice saying, all records come to an end at some point. Hopefully they can come to an end on on Tuesday, but whether that is whether that is the case or not, we will see. Also, it's a, it's a, there's a general, I think there's a general feeling that there's, well, there's going to be a lot of Ukraine diaspora fans coming because obviously no Ukrainian um, supporters from Ukraine will be able to travel because of visa issues and sort of the lateness of how the tournaments come out due to quarantining and sort of other stuff like that. So, you know, as long as there will be some sort of support, I think they have like a lot of tickets have gone on sale, a lot of people have bought them up and that sort of stuff. There'll be a, a sizable bit of bit of riling up maybe not on the level of Bucharest but Ukraine should have some sort of uh, positive help from the stands and ultimately would be good you know to see that first ever first ever Ukrainian national team win on British soil aside from Northern Ireland but also um, I just like to point out that the last Ukrainian club to win on British soil was also Northern Ireland. That was Karpaty Lviv back in 2011 in the Europa League against St. Patrick's. So that's that. And 16 games of Ukrainian club sides have taken place since. And they've all been either draws or losses. I mean, ultimately, a draw could be OK for us because, as we've already said, Ukraine have had a bit of a run of draws of late uh, at the start of this year. And I mean, if they can channel that a bit more and get to penalties, we've seen Bushjan attempting Penenkas um, in training and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, if the goalkeeper needs to step up, if it gets to that stage, then <laughs> he can definitely do it. And he's also been saving, well, we saved yeah. Alioski's penalty and no rebounds in penalty shootouts, so he should be all right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Right, guys and girls. Prediction time. Ray, do you want to kick us off? How do you see the game going? Uh, I see we revert uh, 100% to Lebanowski standards. We place five defenders in the back, two in the middle. I, I, I would assume that would be Stepanenko and Shaparenko. We can try uh, Tihanko on the left, as Andrew suggested, but I'm pretty sure Yermolink is going to finish this, whatever it is, of Ukraine this tournament. Yermolink is going to be up front. Uh, the left side is a huge question. I would like to see Sudakov there, but... Probably Tihanko will uh, end up there, or even Zubkov. I don't know. Playing with one foot, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised <laughs> anymore. So, anyways, uh, harsh uh, 90 minutes uh, Sweden Spain style uh, scenario of uh, the first uh, group stage match when it was uh, draw one one draw. It's gonna be a draw anyway. <laughs> even if it's not, we'll be playing as if it's a draw. Uh, zero sliding tackles, zero, uh, well, probably a few yellow cards as Sweden is going to be playing football and not uh, defending and trying to, you know, pass the ball out of their own box instead of clearing it as we've been trying to do with Austria. 
So it's a good thing, yeah. Sushchenko is studying, uh, sorry, teaching them how to play passing game in within their own uh, six-yard box. That's a good thing, I guess. Anyways, uh, penalty shootout and uh, Switzerland. Uh, 2006 written all over it. Now, Jonathan, do you agree with him? Yeah, guys, I'm sensing some a bit of pessimism here in terms of the chances. <laughs> I, I, think Ukraine, to be honest, I think Ukraine have a great chance. I think what's going to be really interesting in this game, and, and obviously Ray mentioned it, really talks about it as well a little bit. And I think one of the interesting things in this game is I think it's going to be who who dares wins, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that both sides are kind of maybe naturally a bit more um, conservative in their approach. Maybe I think that. Uh, you know, Sweden, as I say, they're one of the worst teams in the in the tournament for passes completed, uh, one of the lowest for possession. They won't change their game. Um, the manager, Jan Andersson, has already said that, you know, um, he thinks that Ukraine might underestimate them because they, they, you know, they might have thought it would be a harder game they would get. So he said it's nice to be a team that's going to be hard to beat and it's nice to be underestimated. So from his point of view, his, his main focus is always being hard to beat. He's not going to be one of those managers who's going to be expansive, even though they do have some exciting you know, attacking players. So I think I think this is going to be one of those games where, you know, you could well see a draw here. It's going to really depend on the approach. I could see it being maybe one where both sides are sort of quite cagey at the beginning, feeling each other out, maybe not really knowing who's going to, you know, who's going to make the first move. If there's an early goal, then obviously that changes things. The, the only time really Sweden came out in this tournament was the Poland game. And that was because Poland knew they had to win. So it was kind of, you know, they got, Sweden scored an early goal. That just made the whole game like, open up completely if you see what mm-hmm. I mean and it was yeah. then it almost turned into a basketball match in the second half so I think I think both sides have the ability to hurt the opposition obviously you, you know the whole thing with Ukraine Euro 2012 funnily enough Seb Larsson played in that game and he's still playing now so he'll probably play again so it's um, you know back to the future for him sort of thing but um, <laughs> yeah I mean I, I suppose it's put me on the spot time I, I just think that maybe with Kulisevsky his ability and Isak's ability I've seen a lot of Ukraine and I do like what I see of them, but but I just feel one other area that may be a concern for Ukraine is set pieces. They obviously conceded against, I think it was Austria, wasn't it, a set piece to goal. I think that Sweden are quite strong in set pieces, you know, that kind of, they've got a lot of tall players, Lindelof, Danielson, they've got a lot of um, physical ability and presence. So I think that's an area, the centre-backs of Ukraine, I think there's, they've got quite a young centre-back, haven't they, who was maybe, um, could be targeted. So I just think that with, Isak Kulisevsky Forsberg, and then obviously maybe from set pieces. I think those are the two real dangers. But I think it could be like one goal in the type of thing. And I, and I really do think both sides, they should really look at this as like a big opportunity. They'll both, you know, whoever really goes for it, I think will will ultimately try. If, 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 if they kind of play at KG Sweden, they could get caught out because, um, you know, Ukraine, I think Yaramchuk's been impressive from my point of view, games I've seen of him, for example. I think they do have some threats, but it's just... You know, who, who wants it, basically? That's really, who, who really believes in themselves? And I think that will be the determinant. But as you're going to put me on the spot, I can't go against Sweden. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2-1, 2-1 Sweden. Uh, fair play. Irina, your turn. Yes, Ronald. As, as my fans part of me, of course, I would uh, like Ukrainian to be a winner of this game because Ukraine has to... Made a, made a lessons from the game against Austria and to like to recover uh, after that after that defeat and show that uh, we can play great football and can show a result and bring some happiness for Ukrainian nations at, at this tournament. Uh, but if to speak about like a more like journalist, <laughs> of course it wouldn't be. If, like easy game for Ukrainians 
as the guys uh, said, we have some problem and we have to solve them. And I'm not sure that uh, the Shevchenko and his uh, coach staff will, will make some risk at that game. Uh, it looks like they will be made traditional as traditional thing that they always do in the other game, in the previous game. So I'm I'm not sure for 100% that they have a plan B. For example, if something uh, mm -hmm. started to go wrong during the game, if they can react quickly and to to, um, to do some things to broke broke like this bad scenario and to make something new. And I'm not sure that the players uh, who will be on the bench can change this that uh that will happen on the fields on the paper we have a good players for the uh, at least two players for every position but we'll see in what shape in what and what fitness they will have for this uh, for these extra days that they have at least two days uh, more before this game than the sweden team but at least i hope that it will be some crazy game like <laughs> Like it was with Sweden and uh, Poland with the great goals with some, with some you know that for the last minute we will be sitting near the uh, laptops and I don't know the TV on the squares in different cities. Andrew, I'm, I'm sure will be on the stadium and will like for the last minutes we will uh, take uh, like shaking shaking like hands and like yes, come on Ukraine, <laughs> you can do score goals. I hope at least it wouldn't be like boring game and we will be proud. Even if Ukraine will lose this game, we will say, yeah, they do everything that they could. Mm -hmm. If they lose, okay, it's like, but at least they tried. But if they win, it would be, oh, I cannot imagine. It would be something <laughs> like fairy tale, some fantastic, because, you know, it's so strange situation that the Sweden uh, gave us, present us this um, chance to stay more at this tournament. And now uh, we can beat them and throughout the tournament or uh, like just say thank you for a present, go to the next stage. <laughs> Very well said. And Andrew, anything to add on top of that? No, I agree with Verena that there is sort of, it seems like a limited plan B just in the previous matches, you know, bringing on Besedin, what does he give? I, I, I've got a real vendetta against him. Not a personal. I know. I know. <laughs> not, a, not, not a personal one, but he's just, he's just so ineffective that it's just difficult to watch. And he's also potentially sometimes even detrimental uh, to when he's coming on to defend. He's sort of a defensive forward. The irony. That, and the joke that everyone calls him, sort of in Ukraine. And you know, if you're a defensive forward, fine. Can you defend then, please? But he's also quite slightly inept at that. I'd just love to see Dovbik be given a chance. It was his birthday the other day and he wasn't even allowed to come on and try and, you know, scrape the game. But, you know, if anything, everyone's saying it could be a, a massive, you know, a small cog in the, in the master plan of Shevchenko. Throw the game against Austria 1-0, see out Sweden with the favourable draw instead of getting Italy or someone else. And then rolling on to the final at Wembley um, on the 11th of July. Of course, a lot of optimism. Uh, I think it'll be a good game, hopefully. I think Ukraine have got that week to rejuvenate. 
there sort of can't be any excuses for lack of energy, lack of stamina, etc. And, you know, it's been very comfortable. The It's been a very hot in Romania. And before that, there was like lots of storms and I just might have been a bit more disruptive. I think overall, it will be an interesting game. It will be low scoring, maybe one all, something like that. And then I think mm-hmm. just because... Ukraine are going to keep you in it until the very end. Uh, a bit like when Klitschko fought Anthony Joshua a few years ago. He had the chance to knock him out, didn't, and then it all sort of fell apart, unfortunately. That's sort of an analogy of how Ukraine play football as well. They can never give the killer blow. It always has to go on until the final bell, and then it's only 50-50 to find out whether, not the refs, but I mean just the final score. But, you know, if, if Ukraine get to a penalty shootout, I'd actually be more confident than not. I think Bushjan is in, in solid form and he's a great shot stopper. No crosses coming in on penalty shootouts. So that's a good good sign. And Ukraine have got some good takers in Zinchenko. Malinovsky missed his, but I think if he was given another chance, he'd take it all day long. Just, I think Ukraine will win on penalties. That's my bet. All right, fair play. Well, that's it for today, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. It's been great listening to all the insight from all our experts on the show. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. You've batted the Swedish corner incredibly well there. Just before you go, though, mate, a little bit about about your uh, the podcast Nordic Footpad and the work you do. Um, what's how often do the podcasts go out for people who are listening if they want to sort of check out a few where's the best place to get them and that yeah it's called the nordic football podcast and uh you can find us on twitter at nordic footpod uh we've been going since 2017 and we kind of cover norway and sweden so my, my colleague is a norway expert and i cover sweden I, I used to live in sweden and i worked out there in kind of scouting and recruitment and that kind of thing and then that's my sort of day-to-day work um, as a consultant but uh yeah the, we, we usually cover the league, so we, we often take a little bit of a break around the summertime because the league's gone pause. So the league seasons are, in Norway actually they're continuing, but in Sweden the league's stopped so while everyone watches the Euros, of course. So we, we do have episodes coming out usually weekly. At the moment it's kind of like once every fortnight, so we'll be having an episode soon reviewing the, you know, the tournament so far mm-hmm. and we'll obviously guests and things like that, people. So yeah, get involved and obviously if we ever draw a... If we ever join a Ukrainian team in the Champions League or anything like that, any of our clubs, uh, I'd love to get you guys on or, or invite you. And, and uh, yeah, I really, really appreciate you inviting me on. It's been been really nice. And uh, you've given me more desire now to go to Ukraine one day. You know what I mean? It's, you've been really kind. Yeah, I hope to maybe come down on time. So, yeah, thank, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> for, for people listening, if they want to, uh, you know, follow, follow your story on Twitter, what is your Twitter handle? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JFFootball, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L, the sort of um, Spanish version of football. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm there. So if you want to reach out to me, feel free. And uh, yeah, like I say, obviously I cover Sweden because I used to live there and, you know, that, that, that sort of uh, took me out there. I'm now back in the UK, but um I can't rule out ever moving back to Sweden because I, I loved it when I was there. So it was such, that 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 was what made us start the podcast. Really, like obviously I was out there covering it, and um, one day perhaps I may go back out there. I'd like to. So still got a lot of friends out there and, and contacts and things like that with the clubs and things. So yeah, it's um, soft spot in my heart for Sweden. So you know, I'm sorry to let you down, guys, but I will be supporting Sweden on this one. But uh, now I'm definitely keen to like learn more about Ukraine, and and I, I follow you guys on, on Just Football as well at Twitter at Just Football. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a website I started many years ago. And uh, yeah, you, you guys do great work. So I'm fully aware of the work you did. So 
keep it up and uh, like I say if we if we meet you in Europe then uh, maybe I'll pass across again but one of us is going out on Tuesday <laughs> so uh, that'll be it for now. You hope you do enjoy the game and uh, just not too much. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Irina thanks so much for joining us. I uh, hope, hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have as well. Uh, what have you got planned for the rest of the tournament? Any any nice, pro- well, interesting projects coming up? As always, thank you very much for your invitation. It was a pleasure to speak again um, uh, in your podcast and to, to speak about my trip to Bucharest and leave again these emotions of the being there. Uh, of course, I would like to go to Glasgow for this historical game, but <laughs> I will visit it in Kiev. And we will continue to on, uh, we will continue to write about the euro and everything connected with this on a for for tribunal uh, Ukraine website. So all the information about this tournament you can you can read in, in our site. And for people listening at home, if they want to follow your stories, uh, where where best to find find them on Twitter? I think best best of all of Twitter. I try to post there every 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 text. So welcome to my Twitter page, uh, Irina Kosyupa. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Great episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, mate, as much as I have. Been really good one tonight. I definitely did. In particular, I enjoyed the story about Kosyevsky parting. Uh, nights uh, before just before the euro so familiar it's so ukrainian <laughs> historically so yeah so familiar do you reckon he's uh, got do you reckon he's got some ukrainian heritage yeah i, I was thinking he is either serbian or polish but he might as well be ukrainian who knows could be malevsky's long lost cousin <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes. As I know, he's Macedonian, has Macedonian roots, so it's also ah. connected because we played with Macedonian team. Ah, there we go. You see all the dots start joining up, mate. Your social media handles. That, that would be Instagram, Ravik. Thank you. Now, Andrew, really appreciate all the work you've been doing out in Bucharest over the last few weeks. I think everybody in Twitter land and uh, Instagram land have appreciated all your, your stuff. Thanks. Thank you so much, I think, from everyone in, in Twitter land in particular for, for what you've been doing. Are you going to be in Hamden on Tuesday? <laughs> yes, I am. Well, I'm hoping to be if all comes well. Yeah, people want to follow me. Zora Londonsk, I'll be covering the game regardless of where or wherever I'll be watching it in the end and hopefully be giving you some more like fan insight as well, just of, you know, the songs, the atmosphere, that sort of stuff pre-game, during the game, after the game. Fair play. Yeah, i got to say, if you follow Andrew on, uh, on Instagram in particular, his stories are constantly up to date with what's going on, so really do make an effort to tune into them. Of course... I'm Adam Ukrafort24. You can follow me across all the social media pages as well. But till next time, everybody, hoping, hoping, hoping we're discussing a quarterfinal match. But do take care. Enjoy the game on Tuesday. But stay safe till then. Bye bye.